Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Hundred and eighty nine days till Christmas. So I want to know have any of you already actually made a Christmas purchase? No. Well, how you feel about that, darling? <laughs> Our celebrations of Christmas and Easter are loud and over-the-top, not just in terms of church, but in the world. Eh? I mean, there are certainly those who do not call themselves Christian who nonetheless celebrate Christmas and Easter in their own way. In fact, Christmas and Easter have even taken on some secular symbology. Santa, mistletoe, cards, parties, gifts, Easter bunny, a basket filled with hollow chocolate Easter bunnies. I used to call those the Pharisee bunnies because they look good on the outside, but they're nothing in there. Hidden eggs, sails, and our worship on Christmas Easter is a little more representative. In fact, there are those who in our typical churchy, smug disdain we refer to as creasters. People who come Christmas, Easter, Priester. Pentecost is a little more quiet. Probably a number of you did not know it was Pentecost until you walked in today and saw the red. In fact, perhaps some of you walked in today and saw the red and still did not know <laughs> it was Pentecost. And in all probability, we're not going to go to a Pentecost brunch following. And I doubt seriously if any of you are here today because it's Pentecost and you come only on Pentecost because you're a Pentecoster. <laughs> and yet from a theological standpoint, Pentecost is the equivalent of Christmas and Easter. Christmas, the festival of the Father who laid his son in the trembling arms of some young girl in Nazareth. Easter, the festival of the Son, who by his obedience to the cross rose from the shadow of the tomb as the first fruits of a whole new creation. And Pentecost, the wind, the flames, the festival of the Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, as we like to say in the Nicene Creed. But here's what I find ironic. Our celebrations of Christmas, Easter, Pentecost are exactly the opposite of the way they're described in the Scriptures. Christmas and Easter for us is clamorous. In the scriptures, it was quiet. Christmas announced to a handful of shepherds on a silent night. Easter discovered by a few women 
in the pre-dawn gray of a Sunday morning as they found the stone silently slid from the sepulcher. For us, Pentecost is a quiet celebration in the scriptures. It was the loud one. Wind, flames, languages, a big scene, people impacted. I've had in my life a few what I call germinal thoughts. See, I like, to, I like to divide thoughts and ideas into two categories, two buckets. There are terminal thoughts and there are germinal thoughts. Terminal thoughts go nowhere, they end. Germinal thoughts give birth to other things. The vast majority of my thoughts and ideas are terminal. They go nowhere, they just fall over. Every now and then I have a germinal thought. I remember one I had, I remember where I had it. I was in Wisconsin. I was staying at the cottage of a friend on a lake and I was working on a manuscript. And across the lake was a restaurant and it got to be noonish and I was ready for my third lunch. So, I headed over to the restaurant. I was walking across the lake. It was January. And I had this thought, and I'm sure I'm not the only one ever to have had it, and it doesn't seem like that big of a thought, but it's the first time I, I thunked it, and it had a big impact on me. Here it is, you ready? Do we need a drum roll? Thank you, Benjamin, I knew I could count on you. We are spiritual beings who happen to have a body Not that big of a deal, is it? Except I had always thought it was the other way around. That we are physical beings who happen to have a spirit. And you see, if you see yourself as a physical being who happens to have a spirit, then the physical is the focus. The physical takes priority. And things like appearance, position, status take on greater import. But if you see yourself as a spiritual being who happens to have a body, then it's the spiritual that has the focus. And living in the spirit, gifts of the spirit, fruit of the spirit, takes on the greater import. Now, when you stop to think about it, we are unique in all creation, not just because we're the only things made in the image of God, eh? You know why else we're unique? We are the only things in all of creation that have both flesh and spirit. All the created world from amoeba to zebra. Well, that was good. <laughs> all the created things from amoeba to zebra have flesh, no spirit. Angels have spirit, no flesh. We're the only ones who have both. But the issue is, by which one do we live? Scriptures say in the book of Romans that if we live according to the flesh, we die. If we live according to the spirit, we live. But you see, here's the issue. If we live according to the flesh and we're dead, one of the problems with being dead is you generally don't know you're dead. You don't know what you don't know. All kinds of people who live according to the flesh and are dead, but they don't think they're dead. 
I used to go once a month to a Catholic retreat house close to my house in Chicago. It was run by the Order of Senecal. They're an order of nuns who do spiritual direction and provide retreats. And I'd go once a month. They would give me a, 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 what I called a Martin Luther room. <laughs> Tiny little room, little cot, and a little desk with the Bible chained to it. And I would eat with the sisters. But they took, they were silent in their eating. They, were, they took vows of silence during their mealtime. So you have no idea how loud celery can be when it's you and 20 nuns. But the grounds, they had, they had 40 acres. This is in the western suburbs of Chicago. The, the value of that land is absolutely incredible. 40 acres and a, and a big stream that meandered, kind of a little river. And I used to like to go by the river. And one time when I was by the river, a fish came up out of the water and backed out. It was only up there for a second. You know what I wondered? I wondered if the fish was surprised. It had lived all its life beneath the surface. That's all it knew. That's what it learned in school. And then for a second, it had a fish-eye glimpse of a world that must have been staggering if a fish could be staggered. And then you know what else I wondered? I wondered if we do the same. If we spend so much time beneath the surface and all the while there's this whole magnificent world. Our text today, we're going to take it from the second lesson rather than the gospel. It's the historic account of Pentecost. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like the rush of a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave utterance. And then toward the end of that passage, in the last days God declares, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Today we're going to talk about the difference between living beneath the surface and above the surface, flesh, spirit, in three ways. In peace, in power, in perspective. Peace, power, perspective. Three Ps for Pentecost. Imagine that. Simply put, in the flesh, there's no peace. There is no peace. There is no peace. You know, I know all kinds of people who want to feel that they're okay and they, and they, 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 they want to believe that and they try that and they try to convince themselves that they are, but inside they're just not quite sure. See, the only way living according to the flesh beneath the surface, the only way we can feel we're okay is if we meet some measure that says we're okay, except it's never enough. And we tell ourselves, oh, if I, get to, if I get to that position, I'll feel okay. But then we get there and somebody slides the bar higher. And it just isn't enough. I know all kinds of church people. Well, I know all kinds of church people. <laughs> There's a lot of church people who aren't feeling okay, who don't have peace. And they try to prove to themselves and to God that they're okay, but inside they're still struggling Life above the surface, in the spirit, 
That's where we know peace. That's when we know we're okay, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done. God has invested in us. He purchased us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and innocent suffering and death. The cross is what proclaims we're okay. The cross is what proclaims we're at peace. And we say it all the time. Actually, we don't. Paul did in Corinthians, and I just keep repeating it because it's such a wonderful line. The cross is a scandal to those who think they can be good enough. And you know what? That's a lot of folk. You hear it all the time. People who think that the way to get to heaven is to live an okay life. I hear that from church people all the time. Oh, if anybody's going to go to heaven, it's Betty. Because she's so good. And the cross is a, it's foolishness to those who think they know better. There are people who would find the idea of God and God making such a sacrifice as simply a fairy tale. Folks, there are people who would look at our crucifix, and I love that crucifix. There are people who would look at our crucifix and be offended. Who would put a cross in a place with a dead guy on it? I've heard that. In the flesh, the cross is a scandal and it is a fairy tale. In the spirit, we look at the cross. It is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God and it is the peace that passes understanding. And there's a difference between flesh and spirit in terms of power. See, the, the flesh can only do what the flesh can do, eh? The flesh is limited to what flesh can do. You and I are limited to our ability and our resources, and the operative word there is what? Limited. Remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Remember how that went? 5,000 people, disciples, end of the day, disciples were getting tired. They came to Jesus and said, you know, these people are hungry. You should send them home so they can pick something up on the way home. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. And Andrew said, well, we got a kid over here. He's got five loaves and two fish. Here come seven incredible words. But what are they among so many? You hear it? That's living by the flesh. Five loaves and two fish is not going to feed 5,000 people. We have limited resources, and if we try to get by on our own, there are things we can accomplish, but we're always going to run into something we cannot handle. There are congregations who live by the flesh when it comes to power, especially when it comes to their resources. <laughs> they think they can do ministry only as high as they can count. Well, I, I know we should be doing that, but this is all we've got. Or they've got five loaves and two fish, and they say, we've got to make these five loaves and two fish last for the next 40 years. So we're going to cut tiny, tiny little slices of each loaf, and we're going to make rules for who can have it. How parsimonious. And how limiting. That's flesh. In the spirit, there are no limitations I saw a poster once and it said,
Faith removes limitations. Isn't that powerful? It's wrong, but it's powerful. It's wrong. Faith does not remove limitations. God does. You don't want to put your faith in faith. Uh, the first church I was inflicted upon after the seminary, there was a guy who had a chronic illness, acute myeloblastic leukemia, and he had friends and family who belonged to a, a different denomination. Here's what they did. They took a napkin, hanky, put oil on it, prayed over it, and gave it to me and said, give this to Graydon, tell him if his faith is strong enough, he'll be healed. What's wrong with that? It's wrong on many levels. But here's the biggest one. You wind up putting your faith in faith if your faith is strong enough. See, it's not the size of faith that matters. It's what you put it in. What did Jesus say? Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. God removes the limitations. Faith accesses God. And you know what? Maybe you've got something going on in your life right now. Physical, emotional, psychological, maybe even financial. There's a limit to what you can do. There's no limit to what God can do. And there's a difference between flesh and spirit in perspective, in vision, simply put, living in the spirit allows us to see things that aren't there. The end of today's second lesson, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and you, you shall see visions. I love that. You know what that means? That means that in the spirit, we can see things the way they're meant to be. We can see what God intended there's a world of difference between vision in the flesh and in the spirit. The flesh can only see flesh. What can be measured, tasted, felt. The spirit sees beyond the flesh to an endless horizon of what God can do. See, the, the flesh looks at other people. And you know what the flesh sees? Either allies or enemies. <laughs> people who help us or hinder us because it's all about us. When the Spirit looks at other people, the Spirit sees those for whom Christ died. In the flesh, we look at the world and we see something to emulate, something that gives us uh, something by which we're measured, or it's something that, that we fight. In the Spirit, we look at the world and we see fields white unto harvest, in the flesh, we look at the body. And you know what we see? Treasure. Something to be preserved and protected or painted. In the spirit, we look at the body. You know what we see? A clay pot. A vessel that houses the treasure. In the flesh, we look at life and we see something to be seized, grasped, endured, drained, enjoyed. In the spirit, we look at life and we see a laboratory for working out what it means to be a child of God. Beneath the surface, above the surface, flesh, spirit, we're both. 
The issue is, which one do we feed? Aren't you glad we're having communion today? Spirit food. And we're coming our nourished. Not body, that little wafer and the little little shot glass. Not going to do much for the body, is it? But oh, what it does for the spirit. You know what it does? It lifts us up. It comforts. It encourages us. It reminds us how loved we are. See, God is a seeker. God comes seeking. He sent his son to find us. And you know what? He still seeks. He still knocks on the door of our hearts and says, will you let me in? And once we do, oh, we burst out from beneath the surface and see a world of peace and power and vision. The wind blows, the flames dance. So be it. Amen.